Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Rebecca. This is Thoughts from Our 30s. The weekly podcast where you catch up with two besties navigating the highs and lows of the big 3-0. You'll find me with a glass of wine and Amanda will have a tea, but you can bring whatever you'd like to this conversation. So cozy up because Rebecca, we've got a lot of thoughts. Okay, so when I was planning on coming here, I had just woken up from a nap because I'm feeling so burnt out. And I have a question for you. I was, I had taken off my bra to like have a nap, but I'm one of those people that is so weird. Like I will wear jeans at home when I'm just <laughs> hanging out, which is just not okay. Need say no more. Yeah. You, you are weird. And I feel like it takes me so long to actually take my bra off on the end of the day. Do like what time of day do you take off your normal bra? What do you mean by it takes you so long? Like it takes you a long time in the process of getting it off? <laughs> like do your I still can't figure out those clasps. No. <laughs> no, it's like no, it's like I literally take it off like when I put my pajamas on. But I know some people are like, "Woo, work's done." Oh, that's funny actually. So before working from home, I would 100% take it off as soon as I got home from the office. And now I realize I don't do that anymore this is the first time i'm acknowledging that but i i actually just leave it on until i'm ready to go to bed maybe because you don't have a commute it's not like you're not like taking off your clothes from the day and i don't feel restricted in the same way it's a huge psychological deep dive but yeah okay, okay so we are also talking about our broad choices i don't even care we're gonna go into this so you were saying the brand an amazing brand yeah sorry part of why i think i don't ever take my bra off now is because i wear nicks yeah. There's no underwire. It is so comfortable. If you haven't checked them out, go order all of them, leap in. They're amazing. They are incredible. But they're so comfortable. Yeah. And fit so many different women and body types and just, yeah, like, and they make so many things. I think they do bathing suits now too. Bathing suits, body suits. I literally have the entire collection. I am a non-paid spokesperson oh my god them. i just i'm obsessed with their things i think my mom's also actually hip to it now too and i'm like mom look at you go on the nyx Welcome branding dark side yeah i was just thinking about it because i mean the way that you would go to your best friend's house because i literally called you because i was so tired and, and we switched so we're actually recording this at your place so we'll have to describe the room so everyone can kind of feel the vibes but um i was like oh I wonder how presentable I have to be. Oh, yeah. The answer is not. the limit does not exist. At all. <laughs> In fact, I think you said, I'm not presentable because I just woke up from a nap. And my answer was, I'm not presentable because I look like this all day. You were like, <laughs> I, I don't have that excuse. I but... wasn't napping and I look the exact same as you do. In fact, we are wearing the exact same sweater oh my God. as we do. Yeah, I walked in and she's literally wearing the exact same sweater. Let's put this sweater in show notes. Like, if you yeah. guys also want to have this Everyone Lulu needs sweater. Everyone sweater. It comes in a lot of different colors, so you can have your own color choices. I, we'll include our color choices because I think it says a lot about us. Yeah. I um, I think it's called, like, the quarter, zip, scuba, pullover, oversized, all of those buzzwords together. All the things you need at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. But I love that I came in and we're both just wearing full-on Lulu. I'm wearing the sweatpants to your sweater anyways. That's funny. Can I have those? Yeah. <laughs> I have those sweatpants in black, so. Oh my gosh, imagine if you had them in the color that <laughs> I have my sweater. What the heck? Um, what's new? Those. What's new? Well, I'm busy staring at your pants now. <laughs> That's what's new. I need to get new pants. What is new? It's Friday, and mm. I love Fridays. This is actually released on a Wednesday, though. 
uh, well, the yeah. curtain has hath been. You get me in the best mood on a Friday. So even though you're listening to this on a Wednesday, I'm in a great place because it's Friday. So pull just back, hold those vibes. To pull back the curtain, we normally record on a Thursday. So it gives you a girl a chance to like edit it all. Get things ready. And yeah, you yeah. to do all the writing and everything. Oh, that would be actually kind of fun talking about how we split up the podcast duties. Because I feel like it's it's the best. It, it really complements who we are as people. So I do the writing. Everything you see written is me. And you, what do you do? I do like editing and graphics. So if you're not a part of our thoughts from our 30s, thoughts from our 30s, it's just, it's such a cute title. But sometimes when I put it in sentence, grammatically, it doesn't make sense. You're like, thoughts from our 30s. Yeah. So as you can tell, I'm not the one with words. (laughs) I do like the graphics on the Facebook group. But okay. So as in life three things that happened to you that you would give me a five minute phone call for watching a horribly cringe show called byron bays i need you to watch it so we can talk about it It just takes me right back to our trip but also so cringe which is what you need sometimes you need guilty pleasures yes that you can just like organize your closet and not pay attention but then just catch just like on the inside giggle because you're like this is fantastic it's so bad um and i went to walmart today and the outdoor decor stuff is coming yes spring is here and nope that's all i got those are the good things this week what about you (laughs) i'm thinking about this too so this will be released a little later so for sure they will have outdoor yeah i mean so exciting outdoor will be like ready to go by the time this comes out but i'm very excited about it. so exciting um pretty big news me and scotty bought a house Woo! the best news I feel like if you follow me on Instagram or on YouTube, you'll have already known this. Um, but yeah, we bought a house and it was just the craziest experience ever. And I can't wait one day for our home episode because the process of buying a house is insane. And literally, I think that was one of the very first things that we said on this podcast ever. And I still can't believe it. I also think we should do an episode on manifestation because between the house purchase and your really crazy story about how you got the car, both of those are both manifestations slash a bit of a leprechaun story for you yeah it's almost like am i in a simulation it's that simulation theory like oh that's just the sim oh that's just a glitch in the sim right except your glitches end up pretty awesome yeah so very excited for you and i'm really excited to help you move and watch you settle in and start a new chapter i think that you guys finding this podcast was the simulation working perfectly so shall we dive into this episode i'm very excited for this episode because as easy as our conversations are together this episode is on Hard Conversations. So today, talking about, you know, difficult conversations, tough conversations, they're ones that we all have to have. But I don't know about you, like for me, this has been one that I'll say I'm only recently starting to have in my life. Tell me more about this topic for you. It was so funny. Beck and I did our little photo shoot for our cover. So we got to do that with Ray Connell, who is one of our favorite people in Hamilton. She's a photographer. We'll put her website down below. Like if you are in the GTA and you need couple shots, I mean, you could hit me up. But also Ray is like the best. Um, but we were leaving that and then we were just chatting about what this week's episode would be about. 
And Scotty has recently gone through this really incredible course at work called Courageous Conversations. Um, I'll also, we'll, we'll throw that in the show notes too. So the workshop is called The Courageous Communicator with Jenna Buffalo. And she basically got hired from Scotty's Works C-Suite. So they originally did this course and they just saw so much value in it. They were like, let's bring this to everyone because I think that this could really help everyone, not only with work situations, but also life. And I just loved that when we were talking about what this episode could possibly be, I was just really hip to this conversation because Scotty had just kind of been talking about this course he was going through. And so I pitched this idea, what if we talked about difficult conversations? And at first you were like, hmm, like what could that entail? And then as our conversation got going, it was crazy how we were like, oh my gosh, and then we could talk about this and that and that. And everyone deals with this. And the more you deal with difficult conversations, the better your life's going to be. I was just going to say that. Like the harder, the, the more hard conversations you have, the richer your life becomes as you go through that process. The one quote I really shared with you, Beck, that I was just so excited to share with you because we are quote queens. We love a good quote. Um, true story. True story. And I'll we'll also put this on Facebook for you guys if you wanted to share it and maybe on our Instagram as well. It's just like such a nice shareable quote. But Scotty was telling me how Tim Ferriss, who is also a king of podcasting, if you haven't heard of Tim Ferriss, I highly recommend you checking out his podcast. His most highlighted quote in his book is, a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations she or he is willing to have. And I really simmered in that, but I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, it's funny. I, I would agree when I was, when I think about myself and in difficult conversations, I would say for most of my life up until recently, I've been what I would consider conflict avoidant. And subsequently is that, or as part of that, I, I would avoid hard conversations because mentally in my mind, a hard conversation meant walking into conflict, right? That I'm, I'm creating this opportunity for something to go wrong. Um, so it actually has been something that I've, that I've really avoided. And I would, you know, hide from relationships or um, change jobs, flee situations where I felt like I was, you know, needed to say something but didn't want to because I was afraid of the outcome. Um, so really as I've learned this, like learned the value of having hard conversations, I've really tried to proactively engage in those discussions. And I totally agree. Like you just get so much more out of life when you have the hard conversations rather than running away. At least that's true for me. What about you? Yeah. And I even love the verbiage change from like of uncomfortable conversations. Cause I feel like sometimes because I would always call it hard conversations. When I when I heard uncomfortable conversations, I was kind of like, oh yeah, because you can do something uncomfortable and you can overcome it. Um, but yeah, I feel like those kind of conversations, 100%, I am like with you. I wonder if it's the generation that we were raised under or just the situations we've been in growing up or being women. Like, I don't know what it is, but avoidance has always been my number one tactic to deal with all of that stuff. And that's so funny because that's not dealing with anything. No, it's funny. I think when you, you know, where does it come from? I think both of us have that. We talked about it in earlier episodes, like the people please are recovering. We're on our way out. Um, But really that I think as we were raised with all great intention of being 
the quote unquote good girls that are, you know, kind and nice to people and really make people happy and keep the status quo and keep everyone kind of comfortable. And, you know, that really served for a lot of situations until our boundaries start to get pushed. And then the default reaction, at least for me, um, and I think knowing you similar, the default reaction for a long time is when someone else makes you uncomfortable to make yourself less than, you know, like it's, if, if I'm uncomfortable, it's, it's because of me, not because of them. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep the peace. Um, and really watching to your point about like, what does that mean for your life then? As those, those situations come up more and more often where you need to speak up, it's really been like for me really eye-opening especially in the last few years of do I want to keep living my life um, backing down to to situations that make me uncomfortable or situations that I know are going to feel challenging to have a conversation um, every time I back down it's it's one step further away from where I want to be and what I want my life to look like I yeah, I completely, completely agree. It, it truly takes practice. So I also kind of want to say there are so many different quote unquote uncomfortable conversations you can have, especially when you're coming from a people pleaser standpoint, the spectrum is so big. So we were just kind of riffing off each other like, oh, what are some uncomfortable conversations you could have? And immediately you think of like, oh, talking about like money or like breaking up with someone or any, any gamut of things that just come to mind right immediately. But it can also be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. This is not the haircut that I wanted. 100%. It's like literally just standing up for yourself and knowing what you want. And I would add to that actually also standing up for others. And that that one I think you've really seen highlighted in the last couple of years where it's really this opportunity to say there's the uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations to your point of um you know, standing up for yourself or asking for what you want in a relationship. Then there's the ones like, yeah, what about, I don't like my haircut. Or so sorry. No, that's actually too much hot sauce. Like, can you please stop? Can you please (laughs) stop? Or, you know, I asked for no bun and there's a bun. But then the other really serious conversations that more and more we, we need to be having is having uncomfortable conversations on behalf of those around us, right. To, to help advance the world together Mm -hmm. by, by having and and confronting difficult conversations. I think a lot of us started realizing that that was a big thing in the wake of 2020 and all of the conversations that were coming out and being like, whoa, I never expected to have this conversation at my dinner table. Or, I mean, I was really fortunate, to be honest. I feel like I sit in a lot of privilege once again because I have a really open-minded family, but a lot of people were saying that wasn't the case. So, Beck, my question to you is, not to speak to like how to talk to your family about X, something really, really heavy, but just small things. How would you start practicing having uncomfortable conversations? And what would be your plan of attack if you're someone who just never really says what they want in the haircut, in the salon, wherever? Yeah, <laughs> I think start with the little things. Right. So what are the the little moments where you can just practice asserting your voice? Um, haircuts might even be too extreme, but, you know, maybe it's asking for the spoon instead of the fork when your partner goes to hand you the fork for dinner. Like just something little to practice starting to exert your voice. Um, the other one for me, I read a lot. So I've read some really good books that I've already mentioned in past episodes, um, but really about learning about, you know, for me, it was understanding the story I told myself going into those conversations. I love that. 
It's it's always what it is. How often do we do that with everything? We just tell ourselves we're not good at things. And more for me, it's actually the story I tell myself is about someone else. So if I'm going to have a difficult conversation, the story I tell myself is um, they acted a certain way because they're rude. They're they don't care about me. They wanted to hurt me. Um, and and when you really step back and say the story I'm telling myself is X, but if I actually you know take that bird's eye view, there's a million reasons, right? They could have meant nothing by it. It could have been whatever. And I think really learning to take that step back was for me was a really big step in starting to prepare those conversations because it took the uh, assumptions of how the conversation was going to go out and really allowed me to start approaching it from a less stressful. I say less because I still am a little stress monster on these conversations. <laughs> I know. Um, but that's it for me. I, I like, I don't know anything you would add to that or things that you do. I do have something to add because I completely agree. Like practicing and starting with something small or even saying it in the mirror and like literally practicing. That's a good one. Um, sometimes when you say things out loud, it, it starts to become less and less hard to say and less hard to confront, whether this be something that you're confronting, that's a huge pain body or something that's actually just small that you have to kind of adult up like calling the doctor and realizing that I it might be uncomfortable calling and talking to the receptionist but the more practice you take the better it'll be um I'm only saying this one because Scotty was telling me about this course another testament and nod to Jenna for this amazing course that she has but she was saying that one of the most important things when we're going into a conversation that we know is going to be uncomfortable is that we need to really stop ruminating on how we think it will go yeah because as soon as you do that you're bringing in assumptions you're bringing in energy the only person you can control is yourself in a conversation and you can't control how someone else is going to act or react and to be honest that's not your responsibility no it's it's so funny on this actually as you were saying that I was thinking you can only control yourself. And if you go in with the best of intentions, knowing that you will not be perfect, you will not say it perfect because we are human. And, and it's maybe not going to be pleasing to the other person here. No, it, it could be very upsetting for them. But their reaction is their stuff. Yours is your delivery, your empathy, you know, your your thoughtfulness in your approach. I was just about to say thoughtfulness. <laughs> That's why I love you. Oh my gosh, on the same wavelength. So I want to give you an example. So um, I'm going to give you time to think about yours, uh, but I'm going to say mine. So if you guys are driving or hanging out or cleaning, I want you to think about an uncomfortable conversation that you might need to be having in your life. And I think we're going to say this in Thoughts of Ponder as well a little bit later, but 100%. I won't bury the lead too much. So um, a difficult conversation that Scotty and I are going to have to have is with our downstairs neighbor. And Scotty, my dad and I were redoing our bathrooms in our place and we're just really getting it ready to look its best. And we had purchased all this stuff. So we wanted to make sure that all of those renos that we really wanted to do got done. And so my dad was over and Scotty was doing this course because it was like, I think it was a two or three day thing that he had to be in. And I just overheard him talking. And after they do like the main course, I guess the way it works, and I, I don't fully know, but they'll all Jenna will be talking about things and telling them stories or like really going through stuff and then they'll do breakout rooms where they actually have to practice just like we mentioned and I hear Scotty starting to say you know um I've got some some bad news but exciting news 
and we just want you to know like how much we love you and like all these things. And I immediately know, oh my goodness, Scotty is practicing his uncomfortable conversation to come with our downstairs neighbor, Lynn. And we love her so much, guys. Like it is so hard to find a home, but it's also just such a risk because you really want to have good people around you and you don't get to choose those people. And Lynn is so tight with Rosie, like literally Rosie's best friend. And she goes up to the (laughs) window and like Lynn will get out of her car and see Rosie in the window and she'll be like waving at Rosie. And to give you guys some even more insight on why how uncomfortable this would be is because we're moving and Lynn has such a connection to Rosie. This last year, she recently lost two of her geriatric dogs. So Rosie very much like slipped in there to kind of be a little bit of a comfort and literally everyone in our neighborhood all the dogs come to Lynn like during the summer there will be like a parade of dogs that so come sweet because she's so sweet and so that's an uncomfortable conversation that Scotty and I are working on and we're gonna bring flowers and we're going to just tell her how excited we are because we know she loves us and she we know that she'll be excited she'll also be really sad because she always says you're not moving are you like you're not moving over the years but Personally, that's an uncomfortable conversation that we're about to have. And it's funny, I mean, to to throw your own advice back at you of not thinking too much or ruminating in what her reaction will be. Like, yes, she does love exactly. you, but the sadness that she'll feel and and all of that is is really what you carry. But you don't you don't need to like you can kind of let that go and and really just hold on. Like, we have exciting news, and we've loved you as a neighbor, and we are really grateful for our experience with you and hope to keep in touch and you know knowing that yes she's human so thoughtful delivery is important I have a third tip for practicing uncomfortable conversations go for it have them with your best friend because look what I just did I just put a <laughs> lot of heaviness and you were like you know what I do understand you're gonna be emotional but you also have to be matter of a fact matter of fact with it okay so what's an uncomfortable conversation that you think even from the past present that you think could like really help someone listening yeah for me it's it's actually um it's having uncomfortable conversations with employees that's like a really hard one for me I'm a huge advocate for feedback I believe very strongly in feedback Uh, but I also acknowledge it's really easy to say that when the feedback's good or when the feedback is okay right it's it's easy to give someone like a hey quick coaching opportunity here's what you can do different um where I you know, one more recently for me is, is having some really hard conversations with uh, people that work for me that, you know, you, you care about them as human beings. And as a team leader, I'm there a to, to get my team to deliver the best results. And unfortunately, we, we all kind of need to show up and be our best selves or the team won't be able to deliver its best self. Um, So those are some really tough conversations I've had to be in, in order to be, um, honest with people but but really important in those moments and for anybody who's kind of leading their first team is like I think if you as a team leader if you never have hard conversations you're really not doing your job like at the end of the day we all come to work to show up to be our best selves to get better and to grow and so as a leader it's your responsibility to try and find those ways to help people elevate it doesn't make the conversations easy I have lost so many nights of sleep like stressing about how to have them but every time it, it ends up better, ultimately, like I'm learning, it still isn't easy for me. You know, I'm sure the next time that one comes up that I have to have, I will be uncomfortable about it again. But when I think about it, as I say this, I'm like, the discomfort is, 
is me. It's how they're going to feel about me. It's how I'm going to be perceived. It's how they're going to feel about themselves. It's all of those future thoughts that completely make uncomfortable conversations hard. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It's like they don't have to be uncomfortable. You you can really look at it from a different perspective. But when you hold so naturally, we hold the like, what is the story I'm telling myself about how this is going to end or how they're going to take this information? And that's what makes the uncomfortable conversation uncomfortable. Okay, so when we are talking about organizational stress, I think one person I would really kind of guide people towards is Adam Grant. And if you've never heard yes. of Adam Grant before, he's a psychologist. I first listened to him on the Dak Shepherd and Monica Padman Armchair Expert such a great episode let's put that in the show notes as well Beck because he just does such a good job talking about this specifically if you are looking into conversations that are difficult in an organization or the way that organizations work and I just really feel like even following him on Instagram I always get some really good quotes now you said yes so what comes to mind first when you think about conversations Adam Grant has had Oh, there was one, uh, it's him and Rich Roll, it's another podcast, talking about, um, actually, this is totally off topic, but it still really lands with me, is like talking about when someone, you disagree with someone's perspective, how to flush that out with them, and to really keep your own mind open, and to explore and understand theirs better, which, you know, as much as it's funny, as much as I say that's not part of this topic, it is. I was like, that's bang on. It is, because part of, I mean, for uncomfortable conversations, like a big part of it is being able to understand where the other person is coming from when it's it's person to person and when we're talking about like relationship conflict. It is about being able to understand the other person's perspective. Um, So we will link that as well. But Adam Grant has very phenomenal things to say he's a very smart man Uh, really about relationships and how we engage as humans yeah so I was thinking about an uncomfortable conversation that I had when I started dating Scotty it has nothing to do with Scotty it was about the boys before (laughs) I feel like there should be like a a romance um (laughs) like a little music swell so let's do that now So a letter to the boys that I have dated before. Um, So we were talking about this a lot the other day, you and me, Beck. And we were talking about having uncomfortable conversations in the dating sense. Yeah. A lot of people are there. A lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are swiping. And I think one of the worst experiences ever in dating or the worst things you can do is ghost someone. And this is such a thoughts from our 30s moment because these are sort of things that you learn a little bit later unless it's in your constitution earlier good for you um but when I started dating Scotty it almost like it kind of came out of left field for me but it also didn't like it had been growing for so long it didn't I can be on the other side and say it was definitely growing for a long time yeah because he's like he just became one of my best friends you know and I just already loved him so much but it was just so different and So I was like kind of rediscovering myself again and saying yes to opportunities and going on a couple of dates. And I had to have the uncomfortable conversation of sending a text being like, hey, like I know we had a date planned or whatever, or we've been talking, 
but obviously I don't remember the exact wording of this. I wouldn't say whatever, um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I have fallen in love with my best friend and I know that's really shitty to hear um, because I feel like we definitely had a spark, had something going here, but this is something that I can't ignore and I wouldn't want to lead you on anymore and hanging out with you has been amazing and I truly wish you the best to find the right person because you have so much going for you, etc. You know, you gotta grease the wheels a little bit. And um, though that was really hard and though the response back was a little bit, it wasn't cold, it was just matter of fact. Hurt. Yeah, just like, okay, kind of like, oh, that's kind of sucks, I assume. Um, but now I still would like talk to this person, like if they sent me a message or I see they still see my stories, like, and it doesn't make me feel awkward or uncomfortable because at the end of the day, I, I sent those messages because I respected that person or I went on the walk and had the face-to-face -face talk because I respected that person. And it was hard. Like I, not a good day, like not fun, especially the one that I went on a walk with to tell in person. And you know what? Maybe don't go on a hike with someone you're going to break up with at the end of the hike. Cause then you got to walk back. You got a long walk back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quiet. <laughs> Make sure you have a getaway plan. But I still love that person very much in a very different way. And not that I had ever said I love you to them, but it's just like, I know that I'm not uncomfortable with the way that it was handled. Whereas almost that uncomfortable feeling would have been something I would have held on to, but I was able to release it. So I just think that, you know, if, if don't string people along, you know? Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of in the, the verse of that too is um, on the other side is we watch people kind of in life and at one point in my life of like when your relationships um, come to an end, when you realize that it's not working anymore. And I often think the hardest relationships are the ones where nothing happens right? Like if, if the other person does something wrong or you do something wrong, hurtful, whatever, it, it makes a clean break. But when it's just that you realize that you and the person don't work anymore, those are really, really, really hard conversations to have. Because people want answers. People want closure. People want to know. They want to know. And sometimes it's like, you just don't know just because. And I, I fizzle. Yeah. I deeply respect, um, people who take on those uncomfortable conversations. But I think that underlying in all of this is that you will grow significantly by standing up for yourself, by advocating for yourself, by asking for what you need rather than, you know, kind of ignoring what your, your heart's calling for, what you're asking for. I think as I was kind of thinking about all this and we talk about uncomfortable conversations, difficult conversations, hard conversations, you used a word and I think it was actually in relation to the course, but the idea of courageous conversations. And since hearing you say that a few days ago, I've really been trying to rebrand the idea of difficult, hard, challenging conversations as courageous conversations because courageous means you're willing to stand up for yourself or others. You're willing to fight for what matters. So as I was thinking about this, what I'd love to know from you is um, what conversations do you find particularly difficult to have? That's a good question. Oh, maybe we should put that in a thought to ponder as well. I would love to hear what people say on the Facebook group. Yeah, it's funny. That's actually one I would say less like thought to ponder. It's more like, I just want to hear people's thoughts. Yeah, like community Don't ones. reflect this privately. I want to know what is hard for you. 
Yeah, and see if other people have the same one or they're like, oh, I never even thought about that one. Yeah, that one's so tough. Yeah, yeah. Mm, my hardest conversations. My hardest conversations or courageous conversations. So I'm going to give you two different kind of perspectives. So my hardest conversations to have when someone's having it with me is like an authority figure or someone that I've like put on a pedestal. Yeah. So whether that be a coach or um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the word boss or a boss. a boss. I was like, or a job. <laughs> job doesn't talk much, but the person that owns oh, that job does. Big yeah. time. Yeah. So if it's like a boss or something, something, if someone has to like come forward and be like, oh, Amanda, like I was expecting this and not that or whatever, that always really shakes me a lot because I know I'm so well-intentioned and I know how I want to be seen. So from that perspective, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about with Adam Grant is he says, we get this giant instruction manual when we buy a toaster, but we don't get an instruction manual when we have someone who starts to work with us or who starts in our business. So learning the way that people want to be talked to. So like even friendship, like we know now we have like an unspoken language where if I call you and you don't pick up, I don't think, oh, she's not making time for me or like all these other things. Not that I would ever think that about anyone. I mean, years ago you might have, but now you know, <laughs> that, I just don't know where my phone that is. Girl, where is found she? It yet. <laughs> but I think, oh, she's on a meeting or she'll call me back or whatever. You know, I just feel like when you start having really strong relationships, whether that be personal or friendship, you're right. It's, it's rules that you kind of just have unspoken. Um, but it is really hard. And when you, when you approach a new work scenario, I think the uncomfortable conversation that I need to have, or it might feel uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be if you kind of nip it in the bud, maybe so to speak, is so if I was starting as your subordinate at work, I would say something like, hey, Rebecca, so excited to work here. I just want to let you know that sometimes when I get a really long email it can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming for me because I get a lot of emails. But if you ever need a direct response from me, send me a text or give me a call. I will give it to you right then or there. Or just have those kind of things set up. It's funny. It's actually one of the first uh, first questions I ask anybody that joins my team is how do you like to receive feedback and when? Because I think it is really important to get people's opinion on that for that exact reason, right? Like, don't send me an email with all of the things that I'm doing wrong. But there's other people who do want that email because they need to read it, digest it before they engage in a conversation with it. 100%. Really important to have that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just even knowing that, yeah, if it was feedback, I would maybe say an email because I'm a really emotional person and I would want to digest it, sleep on it and then respond back. But then we have our best friend, Russell, who is literally the worst texter in the world, but <laughs> loves us so much. But if I based my like his love for me on him texting me back, well, it's a good thing he's on the other side of the world because yeah, I like, hate that guy. I assume that he doesn't love you because he doesn't answer you. Yeah. So it's it's having those conversations. So that's my more uncomfortable conversation when it's coming at me. Um, but to have an uncomfortable conversation, this one's tough. I think it does come back to the standing up for yourself. Like if someone's really wronged me because I used to get bullied like in elementary school and though I feel like that's really helped me become who I am today. It also happened in university, you know? And so that's a really long time to not stand up for yourself or say, no, this is not it. And for this fact, 
one of my favorite quotes ever is speak your mind even if your voice shakes because I think it says that if your voice shakes it does not mean that you are weak if you start crying it does not mean that you are weak what makes you weak is not speaking your mind I absolutely love that because I couldn't agree more like it is okay for your voice to crack it is okay to start crying it's okay to have all that occur to um for me the big one actually that I really struggled with is sometimes when I'm when I'm having a really courageous conversation um I can get I get really emotional and sometimes I can get angry same and oh different different (laughs) anger is an emotion that I am really uncomfortable with it's one that kind of growing up I really um I kind of, I think about emotions as like a keyboard of music and anger was a key that I never played. Like, don't touch oh, it. I'm very scared of that key. emotion. And so sometimes when I'm having courageous conversations, it's like I hit a key that I forgot existed and I can get angry. And then who I am in that anger actually surprises me sometimes. And it always takes me back of like, oh, shoot, I, I, I didn't, that's not like me. But I'm really learning that what's coming out of that anger place is actually a lot of repressed feelings of mm, of not that's speaking it, that's up. it and so it's okay like it's okay for that anger to come out I am a human anger is an emotion we all experience there's nothing wrong with it as long as you do it in a productive way that doesn't physically harm someone else um but that's been a really interesting one for me because as I speak up as I voice my my concerns and ask for what I need sometimes I do have to hit that key but it's been really interesting to see, like, I can do that and still be okay. And respectfully, my relationship with the other person can still be okay. Like, I've, I've really seen that lately where I can get angry and still have a respectful relationship with someone moving forward. Because we're human and, and most people understand that that's a normal part of humanity. I just forgot about that part for the first 29 and a half years of my life. <laughs> we're here now we're learning we're learning I I really like that you said that because I never really thought of it that way it's so true well maybe it was a passing thought when you have those big reactions it's repressed emotion curious what you guys think as well um maybe just kind of think to yourself what your reaction would be because me and Bex is completely different mine is like frustration and why don't they value me or or all this kind of like woe is me a little bit like emotional So that is so funny. I also think an uncomfortable conversation can be, and I know we say this all the time, but it's just because we love you guys and we know that you're worth a lot, is if you're in a freelance position or you're doing something, is saying how much you're worth when it comes to talking about money. Let's talk about money for like a quick sec. Yeah, it's a really uncomfortable one. I love that. (laughs) Money is so uncomfortable because our like our generation was raised to not talk about money which is don't talk about that that's rude yeah it's none of your business but i do not think it's rude i love it and i think if we don't talk about money we all live in this like quiet shame like things that we don't talk about then become shameful and if they're shameful you can never flourish like how do you develop wealth and abundance when you're living in complete shame of money because our whole lives we've been told not to speak about it and the worst part is, is that we were taught calculus instead of personal finance. So oh, wow. there was like no That is like a personal bone I have to pick. Yeah, seriously. Why did I learn calculus and not investing, saving? If you are currently practicing 
working and using calculus. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> you are the one percent. Like, well done, you. The one percent. Congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, like we we've had some very candid conversations recently because we've been talking about this phase of life, especially me going into a wedding. Me being like, okay, Beck, like, what is not worth the money? And you're like, babe, don't buy a cake. Your mom is amazing at making cakes. Like, shout out to all the people who make cakes. Oh, it's hard work, and it's it's very much an expense that is like worth the expense i love dessert i love cakes yeah but But on your wedding there's other ways you can do it it's totally like at the wedding for example things are valuable to people in different ways and i know we're going to talk about this in an upcoming wedding episode but like some people might value photos more some people might value the ceremonial chairs i was gonna (laughs) say my crossback chairs yeah for anybody who hasn't seen photos of my wedding i splurged on crossback chairs okay i think that in the facebook group we should put a photo from your wedding chairs chairs, and we'll put an arrow saying said chairs biggest disappointment is that i have no photos of me sitting in the chairs oh no you're up and about they were just there those chairs i love it anyways you may not have any idea what we're talking about right now but we're talking about (laughs) this is what you get when you hang out with us sometimes we go on these random tangents the topic was the topic was uncomfortable conversations and here i am talking about crossback chairs and calculus and money but money money is real if if i don't say hey beck what do you regret spending money on what do you what are you so happy you spent money on on your wedding like why would i not have that conversation with you or a couple of friends who have done it so I can get multiple conversations and multiple perspectives. I would actually push even further and say rather than just what, you know, what would you have spent money on or what wouldn't you have? The most courageous thing I actually really respected you did when we first, you first got engaged or you started planning your wedding was asking how much did you spend on your wedding? Oh, yeah. And I actually deeply respect that because I think it's it's silly that we don't talk about these things. And it's not talking about it in a way of like, oh, this is how much money I spent on my wedding. It's it's not to flaunt it. It's that if we always hide these details, we sit around wondering why we can't have what other people have with no context of what they've put in. Or we're hit with a bill without saving properly and we're freaking flabbergasted. Right. Like if you had not given me a number and if Scotty's friends, because we asked a couple of people who right. we were close enough, we wouldn't know like the ethos of what that could look like and what that would cost. Right. So it goes the same with talking about house stuff. Like, and, and on that too, we, we are so close and like, I truly view you as a sister and a soul sister specifically, <laughs> but, but it's just like, I'm not going to go telling everyone about like our house and like everything. But when it comes to you, I'm going to be like, okay, so Like, this is how much we paid. Like, this is what we were expecting. Um, Like, I want to talk so much to you more about, like, as it's coming up, there's lawyer's fees and real estate fees and all this other stuff that you just don't know about until you've bought your first home. So how are you going to anticipate that? Like, your girl did not know that you owe 5% of the total house sale within 24 hours of accepting the sale. So if that's not liquid, baby, like... You got the problem. You got the problem. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny. It's there's so many of those taboo topics, right? Like money, sex, periods, all the things as girls that we were like, oh, don't talk Kids, about that. Being a mom, like all the stuff, all those things. Like there's so, you know, even if I think of like your sexuality and how you identify, like so much of that has been so taboo. And those are 
those are considered uncomfortable conversations. But when you really think about it, it's like those are the type of uncomfortable conversations that shouldn't be uncomfortable. That totally. We should just be able to talk about. But the only way to get there is to to start to normalize it. To and make I think that it's a day. spectrum too. Because like I'm not gonna walk around being like, Hey yo, what's your favorite sex position? <laughs> like it's funny what? though. So like okay, maybe that's extreme, but I, I there's a lot of things that I do think like but what if you did? Yeah, what if we were what just if like it was normal? And I say that as I I I think we maybe talked about this in a past episode, but the the newest generation, the young people at the office, to not make myself sound old. Um are that's from our 30s. Yeah. Looking into the psyche of 20-year-olds. Yeah, now I'm old at the office. Um but this newest generation coming into the workforce has been taught to to talk about salaries with other employees. I love that. Okay, I hated it at first. Maybe you're so uncomfortable because I was like, what? I could never do that. Why are you doing that? It still makes me somewhat uncomfortable. And I think there are situations where it's appropriate and others that there aren't, but I'm working on my own psychological no, problems. Some specific scenarios, but some not. But I but I do, like your approach becomes so much, so much different. You become so much more informed. And so I, I really challenge the, often when I think like, well, you know, maybe it's only with your best friend. And it's like, but what if it wasn't? What if it was just normal? What if it was the caveat being it's not about making other people feel less than or feeling less than because you you don't have the same experience as someone else, but really about normalization. Yeah, my friend Christina, um, she used to run the account Style Apotheca, and now it's just under her name. So we'll also hook her into the show notes as well. I love Christina so much. And I'm actually doing her brand photos soon, which I love. But she basically talks about minimalism and getting out of debt. So Christina is a pharmacist downtown Toronto, as well as a content creator. And we're both on the same um, platform. Um, We're both part of the same media management group. Um, And I totally fangirled when I met her. And now she's like such a lovely friend. I love that. But Christina had, and she's very candid about this. It's what she's built her brand on as of late and what she's building her life on now. She had $250,000 debt. So when you have $250,000 debt, wherever you're listening, maybe if you're in the States and you've gone to university or college and you're like, how the heck am I going to do this now? Um, That's going to be uncomfortable to talk about because like we were talking with money, there could be some shame associated with that but as soon as you break that down and you're willing to have that uncomfortable conversation with someone who may be um, your trusted professional who can like help you start chipping away you can start learning and like maybe your search bar in YouTube is going to be like ways to get out of debt or ways to save money or whatever when when you have that uncomfortable conversation you can start facing it so my question to you Beck to kind of curve off of the money part and to give a shout out to Christina for having that uncomfortable conversation and now being debt-free. I'm so proud of her. Um, my question to you is, what is the uncomfortable conversation that you're not having with yourself? Because as we talk about this, Oof. we're talking about those conversations with other people, friends, relationships, work, but we have not tackled yet. And I think this would be a good last part of the podcast. With what uncomfortable conversations are you not having with yourself? I'm over here just cringing. Like my silence is like, oof. What am I not having with myself? I mean, so there's there's one. Oh man, I'm gonna go on like three different tangents as I think about this. So the first one that I I was having myself was that I wasn't having enough uncomfortable conversations. Step one, <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, the second one was around asking for help. So the uncomfortable conversation I need to have with myself is why I I don't ask for help 
and equally I find asking for help to be you know, to my question to you earlier of like what's the most uncomfortable conversation you have or what do you find most uncomfortable for me it's asking for help I don't do it I have some kind of psyche that I should be able to do these things on my own that I shouldn't need any help that if I ask for help I'm a burden to people um so I should's a great word. So I say it a lot. We're, we're shooting ourselves to death. Should, should, should. Uh, but I don't ask for help. And it's really a place for me that I'm working on having those uncomfortable conversations of uh, when I need something to put it out there, to not feel like I'm burdening someone, to trust that the people that I love, love me and want to help me. And, and I can ask for that. The other uncomfortable conversation I need to have with myself is is really, it's actually, it's one that I always, it's kind of in the undertow of my diverse interests, which is like, what do you really want to mark your life by, mm-hmm. right? When all of this is said and done, what is it that really matters? And that has changed a lot in the last decade. What I would have said a 10 years ago is very different than what I would say today which is totally okay yeah and because normal life changes life changes. changes lessons change yeah but that that like what do I want to mark this this as like when you know when the time comes whenever that is that my time here is done I think that's a really uncomfortable conversation of what really matters because in the day-to-day I find it's really easy to get caught up in the things that I probably wouldn't be super proud of being like that's my legacy at the end of the day Mm -hmm. what about you I really like that one I think mine is really surrounded about um taking care of myself so I I have done this literally since I was a kid like I'll join every club every sports team like I just do so 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 much true story and my fear in that is that I used to do all of these things so that if I only got an 85 average instead of like a 90 average or like whatever it was, I could be like, oh, well, it's because I'm doing all these things, not because I'm only worth that person. Ah, interesting. And I like learned that about myself like a little while ago. And even like, I feel like I've been shot these lessons from the universe so many times because my last year in university, I should have just been focusing on my last year playing varsity volleyball. Should. Should. Yeah, I know. And reflecting back now, I'm like, no, this is actually a really good lesson. And right now I'm being confronted with this again. So I was in my last year of university playing volleyball. And that summer, instead of just training and really just honing in and being like, let's take the bull by the horns here and just realize this is the last kick of the can and just go for it and just train, train, train. I also really wanted to pay off my university immediately so I was working at the keg lobster summer baby those plates are so heavy and my left arm got so much stronger than my right and when I went back my set was off and I literally when I would push it and then I started getting stage fright and there's like a lot of just psychological stuff that went behind that but anyways all of that aside it was because I was not focusing on what was most important in front of me to be honest like I could have paid off that school debt pretty soon after it just would have taken maybe a little longer but what was in front of me was this opportunity I would never get back and so now the uncomfortable conversation that I'm having with myself is what is right now in front of you yeah and it's not kids and it's not I mean we just bought this house which is like a pretty big deal but there's not a lot that's pulling me away from 
what I could really put my energy into. And I most recently walked away from a freelance job that I realized wasn't at all what I wanted to do. It was kind of like I had started with doing photography for them and then got pulled in doing social media management. And I had to just sit down and be like, I actually never signed up to do this. Like, I actually don't want to do this with my life. And even though it's a paycheck and I just bought a house, this again is privilege and I'm recognizing this. There's other things that I'm doing that can allow me not to do this and to pour more interest into my photography business that in the end, if I do pour that energy into, I can make more money from and more enjoyment. And even if it was more, even if it wasn't more money, it could be more enjoyment. And isn't that the point? Yeah, it's like you you have to protect your time, I think is what I'm hearing is I love the part about, you know, the universe keeps sending it because I, I genuinely believe that the universe will keep sending us lessons until we're ready to face them. And so when we talk about like manifestation and, and things coming to be and, and things working out, I believe the universe sends us tests and, and we have the opportunity in those tests to do what we really want for ourselves, what the courageous thing to do is versus like go with the flow. Yes. But if you, if you go with the flow, it's coming back. And every time it comes back, it's bigger, it's harder, there's more at stake. And it's, it's an ask of like, do you value yourself enough? Are you worthy of standing up for yourself and advocating and asking for what you want, protecting what you need? I used to think that being a go with the flow person was one of my best character traits. And it was yeah, what I had rebranded myself was as go with the flow, but really I was just a pushover. It's so funny, actually, when I think back to, I don't even know, MSN, dating profiles, Facebook. I don't know. There was a time in my life, maybe it was like early Instagram, where I would have something like go with the flow kind of person in my bio as well. You know, I loved that I was the kind of person that everyone could like mesh into any situation. And it's actually the thing now that I like actively try not to do. Like, I don't want to be everyone's person. I don't want to flow with every situation. I want to be rigid on some things. And that can be uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, but it's courageous. Yay! Be courageous. Speaking of having uncomfortable conversations, the one thing that I've really been trying to work on is around not using what I'll call softener words. Yeah, what do you mean by that? It's things such as saying kind of or just or, you know, does that make sense? Those words, especially as women, are so common for us to use when we're trying to come across as softer um, or to kind of downplay, be less assertive. But in all of that, you you actually just contradict everything you're saying. And so when I think about... You're like, take away your power. Yeah. When I, when I think about, you know, how to be strong in those conversations, it's it's about owning what you're saying, not softening it, not downplaying it, not lessening it, get rid of the, I think, maybe, what if, um, you know, I'm sorry. It's really just owning it. I have a really good example. So I was actually on a brand shoot today and I find that this happens all the time with women specifically. Um, So if we're going to do a brand shoot, I'm the photographer, right? I'm behind the camera, but babe, you're the vision. Like you are the vision. You're the one who saw this from the idea to what it's going to be. So you know what your brand is. So when you suggest a photo that you want to get, you don't have to say, or I don't know, or, or something like that. 
Yes. And I got that so much today. And I just, I just love the woman that I'm shooting with so much. And she has an idea for her brand. And she's like, I really wanted to go this way. But she would suggest a photo. And then she'd be like, or I don't know, like, whatever you think. And I'm like, no, babe. It's, it's whatever what you, you think. think. <laughs> it's yeah. like owning it. Yeah. That for us, because I think when you... When you stop downplaying is when you really step into the courageous. And that's when the growth and the magic happens is when you're like, hell yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I love that so much. And I love you. I love you too. Question ponder. QTP. 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 So we threw a lot of different questions at you, but it is officially time for the official question to ponder what do you need to do to have your next courageous conversation thanks for listening to thoughts from our 30s thoughts from our 30s is brought to you by we did it podcast which is what you can follow us on instagram at we did it podcast for another episode be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast to hear more from your online besties for now, we'll leave you with that thought to ponder, and we'll see you next week.